0: Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the RGBA podcast. I'm Brian Piana. Last week I introduced you to the project that I've codenamed Blocks, which is my solo exhibition scheduled for next March at Texas A&M University. So today we're going to begin talking about a formal element that's really important to my current body of work, and that's Stripes. side note i have a second podcast called spill some stuff and i'm happy to announce that there's a brand new episode of spill some stuff featuring artist emily peacock so uh, that podcast is a longer form podcast it's conversational and i spend approximately about an hour talking to emily about her work and her new film that's coming out so if you're interested in hearing that conversation please visit spillsomestuff.com. all right on the stripes So a big part of my work involves creating geometric abstractions that use the colors red, green, blue, and yellow. And primarily, I've used those colors almost exclusively for the past several years, and dating back to probably 2009, I would guess. And most often, they're in stripes, in vertical bands or horizontal bands, and they actually are an abstraction from social media. So some backstory there. I've been using social media to inform or make my art, or I've been using the internet uh, more largely than that to inform my art since I was in grad school. And so I had this idea in about 2008, 2009, I was making work with social media and Twitter was great. Twitter had an API or just a way that you could go in and search Twitter, search for words, users, things like that, pull that data apart. I could separate it out pretty easily. So I had this vision of... Creating compositions, abstract compositions, ge- geometric abstractions, by just letting users who somehow type in the word red or type in the word green or blue. into Twitter, like they're talking about a red apple or I bought these green shoes, so to speak. So I have this programmer that I work with who oftentimes I get these ideas for how to kind of parse through data and, and do something with, create, work from. And this programmer buddy of mine is is really great because I can take some ideas to him and he will help me realize it. He will help me code it and make it a reality, which is great. So I've worked on him on on several projects. My friendship with him dates back to when I worked at a new media company outside of once I got out of A&M. And so I've I've kept in touch and it's great. He's a great resource for doing some of the things I want to do. I am not an expert developer. I am not an expert coder. I certainly know my way around HTML and CSS, but a lot of this other stuff, this jQuery and other strange words, I, I just don't get. And, you know, he's on top of that. He knows how to do that. And he's he's interested enough in the ideas I have that he wants to help out. And so we've developed kind of a really great working relationship. And he certainly helped me on the RGB project. So uh, good pro tip, if, if you have an idea, find someone that can make that a reality, right? It's good to, it's always good to network. It's always good to find people that can do things better than you. And then you can focus on on other things. So in 2009, I started to do this. I started to make compositions using red, green, and blue. I chose red, green, and blue because those are the three primary colors of light. So you think about primary colors that you learned in elementary school are red, yellow, blue. And through red, yellow, and blue, you can mix paints and make almost any other color you want. For light, any device that you see through light, the primary colors are red, green, and blue. So you're looking at your screen. You're looking at your TV. The primary colors there are red, green, and blue. If you mix equal amounts of all three of those colors, you get white. If you have zero amounts of all three of those colors, you get black. And that's kind of the inverse of pigment, the red, yellow, blue spectrum. So since my work came from the internet, I was really interested in that RGB spectrum. And that's what I did. And I, I would, the program, the way the program works is that once I launch it, it searches Twitter in real time and it starts to kind of systematically present bars in sequence and, you know, I have no control over the, the order of those bars. They're all a fixed width. And, you know, sometimes they appear bigger because there might be multiple instances of a color. So if blue comes up twice in a row, then that, that visual blue bar is twice as wide as the bar next to it. And so it's kind of neat. So once I launch the, launch the program, it starts, literally starts crawling across my screen, filling it with color. So at that point, I'm much more of a photographer just looking for interesting patterns and then I take screenshots of them, and then I save them and use them for later. And what I, what I did initially was I would make paintings on paper. So I would find compositions I liked. I would further crop them down, as you would, say, a photograph, and I would paint them. What I found, though, is that the, the red, the green, and the blue, their values were so similar that it lacked this kind of visual punch. Uh, it lacked this pop. And so I thought as, a, as a, a way to do that, I would reintroduce that primary color of yellow because ultimately these were being rendered as paintings. So they were being taken out of light and then put onto paper. So once I started using pigment to create them, then it was no longer an RGB spectrum in truth. And so I, I worked in yellow. And yellow is the least common color of those four that shows up. So red, green, and blue kind of dominate the conversation for whatever reason. And then yellow does occasionally up, and so ever since about two thousand nine, I've kind of lumped all these pieces, all these various projects, in under the title RGB and sometimes Y, which is a play off the uh, A E I O U and sometimes Y, and and so that's good. And so since then, over the last you know six seven years, I've, I've used that same program to make paintings on paper. I'm now making paintings on panel. I did an installation of books in which I wrapped. Reference books and duct tape. Uh, the colors of duct tape were yellow, red, green, and blue, of course. And then sequence them as I found them in one of my one of my screen captures. I've wrapped things in uh, I've wrapped styrofoam packaging in duct tape using again the RGBY. And overall, I've just done a whole lot with RGBY. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I had an exhibition at Box Thirteen. I made some sculptures from wood. They were actually a second layer of data visualization in which they were Sudoku puzzles and they were color-coded with the RGBY system. And then I did a mural on the wall, so painted on the wall, large, you know, probably 10 feet high by, I don't know, 16, 18 feet wide. And again, that same vertical stripes of red, green, blue, and yellow. In that case, I also added uh, kind of an interruption, a visual interruption to that very regular modular work of vertical bars. And I started doing that several years ago, just kind of activating the foreground by putting a shape, usually an isometric drawing of something, or in this case, it was more Sudoku puzzles or fragments of a Sudoku puzzle. And that was put on top of the field. So all of a sudden, I I started referencing those as RGB landscapes. So it's still data. You know, I still look at these, there's a timestamp associated with them. You know, I I have no control. I'm, I'm not Myself, I'm not actually assigning colors to these vertical bars. It's really what comes through the feed and what I can see when I when I launch the program. And I like that a lot. You know, even though someone may not respond to it anyway, they may not need to know that it's data driven. I like that it is data driven. I like maybe I feel safe that I'm not the one making the choices as far as the composition, right? I I have that that photographic tendency of, of finding the ones I like, finding the ones where I think are visually interesting. But I'm literally not the one assigning a red next to a green next to a red next to a yellow and so forth. And, I, you know, I think that's great. Uh, I really enjoy that work. I'm going to continue doing that work. And over the last year, I said I mentioned that, that mural at Box 13, which was a temporary mural. That was great. I've also had a, a RGB work put up uh, on the back of a wayfinding sign in downtown Houston. So in downtown Houston, there was a great initiative where artists were able to put artwork on the back of vehicular wayfinding signs. So their, their work you would only see if you were walking around downtown and not driving because you would see the directions on one side. But it was it was really great to have that opportunity and to see my work, my RGB work at a larger scale. And so between the Box 13 exhibition and this, it's really exciting to see how it's grown from small works on paper into really large scale pieces. And heading into this AM exhibition, I mentioned last week, there's some quirks of the space, but still... You know, there is one large uninterrupted wall that actually extends out into a balcony. There are windows. There are other wall areas, wall chunks. There are modular panels. So there are surfaces that I could interact with, I could kind of work large with, but I'll I'll need to find the right way to do that. I won't be able to paint like I did at Box 13, for instance. Blocks will not be exclusively RGB, and sometimes why I relate it, but it will certainly have a presence. Uh, I don't think there'll be any sculpture in terms of the RGB pieces, but there may in fact be some paintings uh, on the panels and I hope to engage a surface or two or three with the stripes. Uh, So we'll see how that that works out. If uh, you want to see an example of what one of these RGB landscapes looks like, if you currently go to brianpiana.com, that's b-r-i-a-n-p-i-a-n-a.com, You'll see on the homepage, I have one there. It's been there for a long time. Sadly, that's probably the only RGB image on the site, even though I've been working with that for about seven years. The good news is I'm working on a brand new website to be relaunched later this summer. So I'm super, uh, so I'm really excited about that. And there will be a much larger RGB presence there. So I have more about Stripes I want to talk about. I have artists that work in Stripes that I want to reference as they've given me kind of inspiration and things to think about. However, this is going to run way too long, and I'm trying to keep this podcast a little shorter. So I'm going to actually stop here for this week, and we will have a a part two to our Stripes conversation next week. So I appreciate you listening. Again, SpillSomeStuff.com for a new episode featuring Emily Peacock. So if you you want to hear that, just go to the URL, SpillSomeStuff.com. And I hope I hope you'll be back next week. We'll talk about stripes, we'll talk about Daniel Buren and a recent show in Houston by Katrina Moorhead that involves stripes as well. So I hope you'll join us then. Thanks. Mm-hmm.